Hello and welcome to the Dash Podcast. I am your host, Trey Gamage, and as always, we are back with some meaningful, challenging, significant conversation about how to bridge the gap in education. This episode is brought to you by the Gamage Consulting Group, and we're helping middle school principals support student behavior. So if you are interested in having some help at your school, please visit TreyGamage.com shop to set up your time to talk. Now, today I have with me Miss Principal Melanie Shavers in McDowell County Schools up in North Carolina, uh, getting ready to rumble for, looks like your 11th year in the school district? Yes. All right, all right. Getting ready to roll. How, how are you doing today, Melanie? I'm doing wonderful. Thank you so much. Good, good. Are you excited for, um, so you must, are you going into your third year or fourth year as a middle school principal? Oh, so this is a new school. This is a new school, yes. Oh, wow, wow. Okay. Um, so how did I didn't I didn't realize that part. So you you were part of the team that started a new a new middle school um, in McDowell County. Yes. So um, McDowell County has two middle schools, and um, about four years ago, actually about six years ago, we started an after school program and had a lot of interest in STEM um, mm. and thought about, you know, what other kinds of options can we offer our students um, because of some construction and um, some projections that didn't necessarily turn out like uh, they had expected. Mm-hmm. There was some open space in one of the middle schools and, um, you know, the, the team talked about whether or not we could open a middle school within another building. Wow. And an, an additional option for students in our district and so Foothills Community School is a magnet school uh, we pull from everywhere in the district and any student can apply to come here wow um, in our our four years we haven't we haven't really had to turn anybody down mm. uh, we've been able to get the students that um, are interested in coming so it's been great so how, how many students do you guys have on campus right now so um, for Foothills we have 200 students okay okay Gotcha. That's a that's a lot of kids in four years. So what what was that process like? So I, I mentioned um, a little bit earlier, I work with the charter school in, in rural South Carolina, and they've been in existence for, I think, six or seven years now. The PD Math, Science and Technology Academy actually has the same amount of students, about 200. But I know the process to starting a charter school was really long and really drawn out. What was that process like to get a new middle school started? We are very fortunate. We have a superintendent who thinks very flexibly. Um, the The hard part was more about the state logistics, uh, making sure that you have a school number. Um, because we are in a building uh, with another middle school, mm-hmm. that was a little bit difficult. It, it took us, uh, last year was our first year that we did not share a number with another school. Wow. Wow. Okay. Okay. So, how, And how did you get involved in that process? How did they select you to be the principal of this new school? Well, so I have a passion for science education and STEM education and making sure mm. that all students have access to um, high quality science and STEM education. And so I had written a grant to get an after school program started with one of my colleagues, Jill Ward. And um, we kind of wanted to make sure that at the middle school level, um, that students had some safe and quality place to go after school. And um, that's kind of how it started. We saw this really um, kind of 
snowball effect really about the interest in STEM and being involved in some hands-on learning um, and how do we, you know, how do we continue to capitalize on that and build on that. And so um, with the superintendent and several of our board members, we sat down and kind of talked about uh, what what could this look like and are we willing to take a chance on that and mm. like I said I'm very very fortunate to work in a district where our superintendent and our school board is really open um, for making learning better for students yeah yeah so so it sounds like you guys saw a deficit um, in access or opportunity for your students what kind of uh, demographic does McDowell County Schools have and why was it so important for you guys to start this STEM curriculum and have that after school program? Um, so we transitioned um, about let's say six or seven years ago from a junior high model to a middle school model hmm. and so after school care was never really an issue when you were thinking about seventh eighth and ninth graders but once you kind of bring in that sixth grade there, there started to be concerns with that. Like, you know, parents wanted to know where can my child go because I don't feel like they're old enough to stay at home by themselves. Yeah. Um, so um, as we kind of started that transition, it was a nice uh, pair to that. For our demographics, um, you know, we are a, a rural school district. We have about 80% um, white and 20% minority um, in our district. Um, and with our free and reduced lunch rates, uh, for our school, we range about 50%. Hmm. Um, in other schools, we're about 80%. Wow. Wow. Okay. So, so, and it looks like, um, have you, is this the only school district that you've worked in? No, I actually worked in more county schools down east. Okay. And I briefly in Burke County Schools that's right next door to um, McDowell. Okay, I got you. So, so talk a little bit. I haven't had the chance yet um, on the podcast, at least, to to really have a a significant conversation about being in a rural situation as a school. What are some of the greatest obstacles that you see as a principal in a rural county, and you know, teaching rural students? Um. So I I know rural. I grew up in a rural um, community and. Um, so I don't really see obstacles. I see a lot mm. of strengths in a rural community. We're very tight. Um, people know a lot about what is going on, yeah. um, which can be a good thing, but it can also uh, sometimes be a challenge. You know, if, if things aren't going the way that you really wanted them to go, yeah. um, they still do. So um, making sure that you um, have good communication and good branding um, are some of the things that I have learned as a principal that, that are just as important in a rural county. Um, the, I think that some of the greatest things are is that you can put out a call for need and people show up. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't necessarily know if um, that happens as often or in an urban community, but within our rural community, if you have a need and you speak that need, uh, there are people willing to, to jump in and support you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I know like in, in a lot of times there's a teacher shortage, obviously nationally, there's a teacher shortage. Does that affect you guys as well in, in your county? Are you able to get um, highly Very qualified good. teachers? Because we are a, a rural district, um, you know, our our county commissioners are amazing and support us with um with funding uh, a, a small stipend, but that stipend uh, mm. might not be 
competitive as like our next door neighbors in Buncombe or actual right. city schools. Um, and but I think that our uh, we have a lot of other trade offs that are just as good. Mm-hmm. You know, living in that community is great. Having access to um, other places is is wonderful. Um, but we for foothills we have had a math position open every year for the last four years okay and is that a position that's being filled and the teachers leaving or you you just haven't been able to find that math teacher so we have we've filled the position um and the way that we do school is a little bit different um, than a traditional model so all of our curriculum is integrated and interdisciplinary and then students produce a final product Hmm. um and so you know, to, to teach with us and to be with us is a special kind of fit. Gotcha. Um, and so we're, we're able to find a fit, but it n- not necessarily has been the best fit. Yeah. Um, but for my kids in, in middle school and in high school, um, you know, every year we have positions that need to be filled in math and science. Yeah. Yeah. Those are, those are the tough cookies. So are you guys using a problem based learning curriculum? do um, we build our own uh, project-based learning curriculum Um, so we of course look at our standards and start there but we assess students on their interest and what they want to learn more about Mm. and then we build our projects around those standards and student interest okay can you walk me through kind of that process of of getting students you know you said identifying their interest and then starting a project what do you do to find out what the students are interested in sure so at the end of every year we ask we just ask students, what do you want to learn more about? Mm. Uh, what did you like this year? What do we need to change as a school to help you do a better job learning? Um, and how can we how can we continue to support you in your passion and, and finding that, that passion? And so students, you know, choose all kinds of different things that they're interested in. Um, probably our most popular uh, project in the last three years has been anything with food because middle Hmm. schoolers love food um and so we've done everything from uh having community meals um to uh like discovering ways to support our community and their food shortage to um proposing a business plan um to the banks and to our local um business organizations on a food truck business and and how that can our our district okay Okay, so are these are these individual projects, or is it a project that's class wide or group project type thing? So it is a group project across our whole school. So um, students are not necessarily in a sixth grade group or in a seventh grade group or an eighth grade group. Um, what we find in um, in life that you know. I don't just hang out with other people that are 36 years old. I hang out with a lot of different people who help me build um, a, a better understanding of the world around me. And so students are in groups of sixth and seventh and eighth graders, and they talk about these issues and these big idea projects, and, and then they come up with a solution to that. Mm, mm, mm. And how, going through a process like this that's um, opposed, or not necessarily opposed, but contrary to your traditional education track what are you looking to build in your students and what changes have you been able to see in them that's you believe is going to have a longer lasting impact on their uh, success down the road um so i have to tell the success story of one of our uh, students that came in as a sixth grader in our initial year he, he wouldn't look at anybody and he wouldn't really talk to anybody 
Um, and of course they have to present every nine weeks. And so he would stand up and kind of hold his note cards really close to his face and, you know, mumble all of this, all of his information. And we would work with him individually and support him through that. Um, but by the end of last year, um, you know, he got a standing ovation from his class. Mm. He stood up, you know, spoke what he was passionate about and what he cared about um, and, and shared that with his class, um, which he started out being very passionate about space. And so we explored space. And then, you know, his his interest shift to um, microbiology. Hmm. And so we see that shift. And those are those are big ideas for uh, rural North Carolina, you know, to, right. to think about to think about like space exploration and where you want to be in space. And, and then to morph that into microbiology and what does that look like and how is how is this going to lead to a career for me? Yeah. Um, I think that those things are important and exposing students to big ideas and letting them think about them and dig in and explore those things I think is, is critical to discovering who you are as a person but really what motivates you and what gives you passion and what what's going to make you want to wake up when you're 47 years old and, and go to work. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love that so much. And at the same time, you mentioned, um, well, no, that that student, um, I think that's that's a perfect example of, of building capacity in your students so that they can become, um, you know, confident and, and motivated to achieve whatever their dreams, you know, may or may not be. And I feel like one of the issues or, or obstacles that you have to face in a rural situation is, is kids being underexposed. They don't get to see too many colleges or, or too much about space or there's not as many in, industri- industrial organizations and companies that are around for students to go visit and, and realize the opportunities um, that are available. So that's that's really special. I think in addition to that, you mentioned you know having a, a certain type of teacher that has to come onto your campus. When, what kind of qualities are you looking for in the teachers that are coming to Foothills? So I really... Um really look for teachers that balance out the strengths of our team. Mm. Um, so we have some amazing teachers that have, uh, that are super creative and idealistic and they're activators and we have some great planners and, um, uh, some teachers that, you know, really are going to ask a lot of questions and dig in to find all the, all the weaknesses with your plan. And mm. I, I embrace that. Like I want I want good discourse, and I I want teachers that are, are willing to do um, because you have to think flexibly. Um, if you've always given a test on Friday, this is not the place to come. Like this mm. is not where you be happy. Um, but that's not what we do. If you love to get students engaged and talking, and you like to think about, okay, this student is here, but I need them to get here. Yeah. How am I going to do that? Yeah. This is the place for you. Yeah. And are they coming in when you right when you hire somebody? Is there a, a, a big learning curve that they have to go through to be able to um, grasp that level of feedback that you guys are, are expecting from them or the, the situation that you're putting them in? OK. Yeah. So um, a lot of our teachers come in and are very overwhelmed in the beginning. Um, and then we work um, to provide feedback and support them. Um, and so a lot of that is. Um, myself going into classrooms and giving feedback and it's not it's not ever about me or you know what I think it's about 
who are you as an educator and who do you want to be as an mm. educator and where to bring your students to? Mm. Like, what, what's your end goal in how your students see the world? Yeah. Not from on a test, not anything that can be quantified by, you know, some sort of formulaic <laughs> expression that we want to give, but where is it that you want to be and where do you want your students to be? Wow. Wow. And, and you've received uh, good feedback from them. I know it's, it's probably difficult um, to start, you know, to getting the, over the learning curve. But after teachers buy in, they're, they're all the way in? They are or they don't stay with us. Um, <laughs> <laughs> which, you know, that can be hard. Um, but I, I believe that there is a place uh, for, for everybody. Um, and, you know, sometimes this, this is a great fit. Um, sometimes it's not the best fit, and yeah. that's okay. Um, we all have our strengths, and we all have things that we can build on. Um, and so, if but if we feel fulfilled and we know that we're working toward our own personal and mm. professional goals um, to help students succeed, then I think that it's a great fit for you. I love that. I love that. That's powerful. I, I think the you know. In psychology, they talk about putting the person first or in mental health, you, you know, that person doesn't have bipolar disorder, that they don't have depression. Um, but, you know, it's it's oh, wait, how does it go? It's not that um, that person is depressed. That person has depression or it's not that person is bipolar. That person has bipolar disorder. You have to put the person before any other um, label that comes after that. So before this child is a student, they're a person, they're a kid, they have dreams. How, how can you help create opportunities for that child's future? So that's a, that's a really powerful statement, Melanie. What have you learned about yourself as a leader and a principal in starting this new middle school? Um, I learned that sometimes I have to turn it off. Um, I'm, I'm very bad about that. I put everything um, that I have into something and um, sometimes don't take time for other portions of my life, um, like my family. And so I've had to learn that balance and that has been difficult, but a, a great learning process um, for me um, as a human uh, to grow and to expand upon, um, to see how, how you balance those things. Um, you know, you become so, because I, I do value relationships, not only with my teachers, but with my students, you become invested in their lives um, and so, you know, when sometimes that's hard to turn off, you worry yeah. about them on the weekend, you, you worry about them um, over holidays and, and understanding uh, and helping them build capacity within themselves, um, you know, to have the persistence and the drive that they need in order to, um, you know, get what they, what they need in the end, mm -hmm. um, building that I think is the most important thing mm. that I've learned in yeah. other people. Yeah, that's good. That's good. And what is your, you know, you talk about your teachers having the ultimate goal for students. What is your ultimate goal for the school, for your teachers and the whole organization that you're helping to really lead right now? So for me, I think it's about helping each student find their success, whatever, whatever that success is. Um, and so that, that's my goal for my students is to make sure that they understand the different options that are available to them because middle school is really kind of a hinge point 
you know, you're only here for three years. You, you build some really great relationships, but you know, what's that next step look like? Because that next step is then going to build on to that next step. Yeah. And so helping them uh, look at their options, because we now have three different options in our district for high school, where before we only had one um, and then two, and now we have a third. Wow. So that's really exciting, um, you know, as we grow and build. But, but because there's those options, you know, you have to make sure that you're informed about those options. So making sure that the students understand what those options are and, and can find success within themselves um, in, in one of those options uh, for, for the, you know, their future. Yeah. Is there, like, for those different high schools, are they, are they different kind of magnet schools? Do they all have different themes? We have one comprehensive high school. We have an early college that I think is starting its 12th year this year. Wow. And then MAI, um, MAI kind of extended uh, from the idea of Foothills and is the McDowell Academy of Innovation. Hmm. And so really what they're looking at is um, some engineering type careers, some careers that are going to get you really hands-on, um, some trade school options. So... Um, you know, we have we have different options, and in such a small district, that's really exciting. Yeah, yeah, that's that is that is really exciting. I think a lot of times school choice isn't really isn't really available specifically in um, a rural situation. Is there a reward that you receive or success that you gain from being an educator? I I think those aha moments seeing a student develop confidence if they didn't have it, discovering something new about themselves if they didn't know it before, learning to manage their behaviors. You know, there's so much uh, reward. It definitely outweighs any any of the negatives. Mm. So um, I can't just point to one that I find really rewarding, but I can point to about 100. Yeah, <laughs> I like that. Is there any... Um... Do you guys have any themes or specific objectives, priorities that you're looking to achieve in the 1920 school year? Um, so yes, we are, uh, last year we applied to be a STEM school. Um, we were awarded a, a model school, hmm. um, but we had some more work to do on our, our STEM school base uh, for North Carolina. And so our, our goal this year is to become a certified and recognized STEM school for North Carolina. All right. Now, is that through the State Department of Education? Through the through North Carolina DPI. Yes. Wow. That's pretty cool. Well, that, that sounds like a good goal and um, like you're on your way then. Well, I hope so. <laughs> we... Uh, we got a lot of feedback last year, so um, you know we know the areas that we need to improve on, and really, it's um, it's really about documenting and making sure that what we're doing is visible. Um, yeah. And I think that all schools could probably do a better job of that because we do we do amazing things as as Foothills Community School. But I know that both my partners at West McDowell Middle School and East McDowell Middle School they both do amazing things too. It's just how are we sharing that? How are we getting that out? And how are we documenting and making that visible? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love it. Is there anything else that you have on your mind that you would want to share with a another principal in a rural school or somebody that's just starting a school that you think would be helpful as they go through the process? I, I think that you have to... Um, 
be flexible in your mindset. Just because it's always been done this way doesn't mean that it always has to be done this way. Look for the resources that you already have. You know, we, it, you know, it, it might not be perfect. We not, might not have a brand new, you know, building that's state of the art, but we have the space that we need in order to make big things happen because we looked around and found resources. Students um, are learning. For everybody, yeah. So yeah. you you do have to make sure that you're being flexible in that mindset, and you know, don't look at the obstacles as obstacles. Look at them as opportunities for either growth or for that flexible mindset, or to show your own growth mindset. Yeah, I love that so much. You you've given me life today, Melanie. How can somebody who's listening to this episode right now? How can they get in contact with you or learn more about your school? Absolutely. So please go and search Foothills Community School on Facebook or Twitter. Um, at STEM FCS is our tag. And then um, you can contact me at melanie.shaver at mcdowell.k12.nc.us. All right. All right. There it is. There you have it. You've given us a lot to a lot to chew on today, Melanie, from uh, starting a new school to creating opportunities for our STEM students and being able to be flexible throughout that process. So I really enjoy and love uh, the information that you gave to us today. I thank you for your patience and working with me. I know we've had a couple attempts to get this interview done, so we got it, and I'm so happy we did. So again, thank you once more, and thank you everybody for listening. I hope you enjoyed this. If you liked it, leave a comment, share it with your friends, and we will see you next time. This is The Dash.